Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Derek. I'm Corinne. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, episode thirty thirty eight, I think, something like that. Getting closer to closer and closer to fifty. That's the next big uh, milestone for us. Right. Well, what are we gonna do for our fiftieth? I don't know. Well, we'll take suggestions. Not to look yeah. into that. Yeah, somebody let us know what we should do. We did, oh, there was the event this week. We should talk yes. about that. So uh, we Go were- bag event. Yes. So all of you that uh, attended the event in Sacramento, it was nice to meet you all. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. There was an, uh, a kind of informative kind of how to build a go bag seminar put, down, put on at uh, Pizzeria Urbano down in Midtown. It was a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, I thought. Mm-hmm. A lot of good information, a lot of uh, envir- people working in the environmental sector, either both governments and nonprofits were there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So nice. hopefully that series continues and we'll uh, keep you informed on uh, other events. And if you aren't in the Sacramento area, maybe that's a good, something you could do, put on this event uh, for your community. Right. It would be a nice resource. So yeah, good times. And you got to show off all of your cool stuff and feel superior. Uh, that is not... Do you not feel superior? I, well, let I, me let me just show. That's great, but let me just show you. That's not quite it. I'm just. I teasing. didn't take. In, I took like three things out of no, my bag. No, I know you were showing serious restraint. Whatever. In that you could have really shown off your bag. I know. <laughs> I know. Instead, you. Yeah, I mean, you highlighted some upgrades. Yeah, some items that weren't in the other bags that were, we were right. gone through. Right. But you know, they're good options. Anyways, one of which is the gift I gave you, but you know, that's true. Neither here nor there. All of which you can hear us talking about when we talk about our go bag in our previous episodes. There's a two-part special on go bags. So if you attended that thing and still want some more information, then you can go back and listen to our back catalog. I think we called it the bug out bag blowout. I believe that's exactly right. <laughs> so yeah, find those old episodes. Yeah. Uh, and if you listen to them and like them, or you listen to this episode and like it, please uh, like, subscribe, write a comment, let us know uh, that you like us. Email us. We're desperate for attention. <laughs> That's why we do this. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. So this week, Corinne, we're going to go over some news stories, and then we're going to get into a little bit of prepper stuff again. We, it's been a few weeks. Yeah, we've been a little uh, more news-centered. Yeah, so we're still going to do some news, because there's a bit of a climate change disaster news going on right now. Mm. I don't know if you're aware. Don't know. Haven't heard anything about the fires going mm, on. What fire? So we'll do a little bit of news, and then we'll do how to prepare your home for a fire. Timely, uh... Hopefully you can still use that information. (laughs) It would have been helpful to me last week. So we're going to start with the news. You ready? Ready. Story number one, mosquito fight. What? Yeah. From 2013 to 2015, an English biotech company released millions of genetically modified mosquitoes into neighborhoods in Jacopina, Brazil, in an effort to reduce the number of disease-carrying mosquitoes. I actually did hear about this. Yes, but some of the gene-edited mosquitoes passed on their genes to native insects, fueling concerns that they created a more robust hybrid species, according to new findings. We've created a monster. <laughs> yeah. Who could have predicted this? Nobody. If only, yeah, if only they had made a movie about messing with <laughs> genetic sequences. <laughs> when was that? That was recently, though. Nobody could yeah. have kept up with that. Considered the world's deadliest animals, mosquitoes spread a plethora of diseases, including Zika virus, dengue fever, yellow fever, and West Nile virus. To try and rid the world of some of these disease transmitters, that biotech company called Oxitec released about 450,000 genetically modified male uh, mosquitoes into the region for each week for about 27 months. That's about 50 million total mosquitoes. So what they do is they release the male mosquitoes, which aren't the ones that bite you, Mm. and then they mate with the female mosquitoes, and in theory, all of their offspring either don't get born at all, or they're born without the ability to reproduce. So it like dramatically drops the population of mosquitoes. In theory. That is not exactly what happened. So they went back and tested the remaining mosquitoes. So there was a drop in the population. But when they tested the remaining mosquitoes, they found evidence of DNA from this other species of mosquito that was genetically altered in the surviving mosquitoes. So clearly some of the offspring survived and passed on their genetic material. Yeah, so this is the best moment for you, Corinne, to cue up your Jeff Goldblum impersonation and say, uh, life finds a way. I don't have that one in my back pocket. Uh, This is classic Jurassic Park nonsense. (laughs) Right. Because they've now created a super uh, mosquito. 
As expected, Oxitec vigorously defended its manipulation of mosquito genetics, saying there is no evidence that the crossbreed mosquitoes are better than regular mosquitoes, <laughs> and that they had anticipated a small amount of escaped velociraptors anyway. Right. <laughs> In a hilarious statement, the company also said that because the genes that were passed on were not the actually genetically modified genes, but the other genes from the uh, mosquitoes, like normal genes that they didn't mess with, that this wasn't an example of bioengineering gone haywire. No, no, no. no. Yeah, no, of course not. To complete success? Oh, of course. All right. Perfect. Just Claiming the victory. Same again. Bigger, bigger. Think bigger, guys. Now we've got a rescue story, Karen. All right. An Australia woman lost for three days in dense bushland was found last Wednesday after a man remotely monitoring security footage saw that she had scrawled an SOS sign into the path of the video camera. Wow. So Deborah Pilgrim went missing uh, last Sunday while camping with friends about 100 kilometers from the South Australian state capital of Adelaide. The 55-year-old took a walk from the campsite but lost her way. Dozens of police and emergency service personnel as well as a rescue helicopter went searching for her and could not find her. Then a man remotely monitoring his CCTV footage on his property near the South Australian search area noticed the SOS sign etched into the dirt. So she had apparently like stumbled onto the homestead, like found the home, couldn't get into the house, but then like saw the camera and so wrote SOS where the camera could see it, hoping mm. someone could monitor it. And so he saw it, he alerted officials because he knew that this woman had been missing. And they found her next door where she had found some water that she could drink. So wow. she was severely dehydrated, but is fine. So should be home. I would have died for <laughs> sure. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Dead. Just dead. Just straight up dead. Well, I mean, good on her. She got out. Australia, <clears throat> crazy. I would not want to get lost in Australia. That is no, so many poisonous high. things. No way. I think my favorite Australia moment was I watched one of those uh, Bear Grylls shows. Yes. Where he like has to helicopter in and like uh-huh. ju- he literally jumped out of a helicopter, like landed with his parachute, and like it's a uh, one cut. It's an uncut scene, so it's clearly not that stage because he comes gliding in on his helicopter or on his uh, parachute, lands, and then immediately finds a poisonous snake. <laughs> Like four feet from where he landed. <laughs> that is how I imagine Australia. <laughs> That's just what it is. Just poisonous snakes. Danger around every Danger corner. all the way down. Yeah, yeah. The whole way. So, all right. Next one, Corinne. Sea urchin apocalypse. Uh, are the are the sea urchins having the apocalypse? Uh, kind of. <laughs> okay. So, tens of millions of voracious purple sea urchins that have already chomped their way through towering underwater kelp forests in California are spreading north to Oregon. Sending the delicate marine ecosystems off the shore into such disarray that other critical species are starving to death. Oh no, can't they eat the urchins? Uh, We'll get into that in a (laughs) second here. A recent count found 350 million purple sea urchins in one Oregon reef alone. Wow. More than a 10,000% increase since 2014. 10,000% in five years? Yep. And in Northern California, 90% of the giant bull kelp forests have been devoured by the urchins, perhaps never to return. Why are these urchins thriving? The explosion of purple sea urchins is the latest symptom of the Pacific Northwest marine ecosystem that's out of whack. Kelp has been struggling because of the warmer-than-usual waters in the Pacific Ocean. And in 2013, a mysterious disease began wiping out tens of millions of starfish, including the species called the sunflower sea star, which is the only real predator of the super hardy purple urchin. Mm. Uh, Around the same time, the purple urchins had two excellent breeding years, and with no predators, they just grew up and started eating everything in sight. Uh, So what happens is these urchins then grow up, they clear an area out, like they eat literally everything, and then they go into... Well, then they go into like hibernation mode. So normally something like that would happen, and then they'd all die. Right. But that's not what happens with these urchins, because these urchins can essentially like shut down, can like go into like power save mode, for a couple of years, it says here. And when they do that, here's the, like you can eat sea urchins. Yeah. But then we normally eat the red sea urchin, which is a bit meatier and juicier and bigger. And the purple one is apparently not as flavorful, not as good, not normally a commercially fished. Although with the vast amounts of them, they're trying to. But once they eat everything, all of the purple urchins start starving. And so they go into power save. And then the part that we eat, which is called the roe, like shrivels up and becomes essentially inedible. Mm. So you can't even eat the hibernating urchins. But as long as they're there, nothing else can come in. So they're just like creating wastelands under the ocean. That's crazy. But yeah, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah not a good problem. Good times. Yeah. Everything ship shape. Ready for another one? <sighs> Thrilled. All right. We got an animal attack story. Do you want that one? Yeah, yeah. All right. It, oh, it, not only animal attack story, Corinne, it involves your favorite country on the planet. 
My favorite country? Sweden? Russian handler oh. survives mauling by 660-pound circus bear. Hold on. My ironic favorite. Yes. Okay. Russian, cir- <laughs> Russian circus goers watched a dramatic scene unfold last Thursday when an animal performer turned on its trainer. Well, as it should. In a video of the incident, the 600-pound bear tackles one trainer wearing a bright orange vest, biting and clawing the man. A second trainer begins kicking the animal in an attempt to free his colleague while the people watching in the stands, which are only, there's like, this is a Russian traveling circus. There is no, like, barrier. No, sure. This isn't Barnum and Brothers. They start <laughs> running away. They start fleeing the tent or whatever in terror, and they're only, like, three feet away to begin with. Anyways, they were performing a portion of the show called Clubfoot and the Garden Wheelbarrow. An act that has the bear push a wheelbarrow while on its hind legs. Uh, <laughs> Ruslan Soliduk, the trainer mauled by the animal, told the outlet that at 16 years old, the bear was on his final legs of the show in the circus. The animal hadn't been violent before and was aggressive because of joint pains, he said. Oh and aren't we all? <laughs> okay. All right, circuses, you had a good run. <laughs> Let's give up on it. Uh, the circus's manager reportedly told the news that he believes the outlet was or the outburst was caused by audience members neglecting to turn off the flashes on their phones oh, before taking photographs. The audience members' cell phones. Or, uh, yeah. Wow. Couldn't have been that you took a wild animal and put it in captivity and forced it to play tricks. Sure. Uh, the circus also said that both the handler and the bear are fine and that the rest of the program does not pose any danger to spectators. <laughs> Unless something uh, else happens. Yeah. In response, Moscow has launched a criminal investigation into the charge of providing unsafe services. Uh, bears in Russia, apparently, are still widely mistreated and exploited for entertainment purposes. I've heard that. Yeah. Captured bears, often tethered by chains, regularly appear on the streets of Russian cities as part of advertising campaigns or as gimmick attractions. Lord. Yeah. So they deserve every mauling they get, I think. Anyways. Ready for the next good story? <sighs> How many more we got? We got a couple. Okay. We haven't done this for a while. This is the problem with going every other week, Grin. It's painful. Yeah. All right. <laughs> very painful. That one wasn't painful. That one was good. It was good, but All made right. me sad for the bears of Russia. All right. Climate change is causing birds to breed earlier. Uh, a few weeks ago, we reported on the massive bird losses in America. Yeah. Right? The three billion birds that are no longer exist. Research in Scotland has helped explain one way in which climate change is potentially increasing that crisis. Uh, teams discovered that birds decide when to reproduce based on nighttime temperatures in the spring. Yeah, uh, they said that climate change causes the temperatures to rise and the breeding patterns of birds, such as the blue tits, are being altered. The what? Blue tits. That's the bird they studied. I could not go ignored. I hid ignored. that for you. <laughs> I could not go ignored. Sorry. Yeah. But the team warned that warmer temperatures are also causing peak caterpillar numbers to occur even earlier in the year. So the chicks are hatching after the period in which their main food source is readily available. So what's happening is the birds and the caterpillars are both breeding earlier, but the caterpillars are even earlier than the birds now. So the caterpillars are being at peak caterpillar moment before the baby chicks are born. Mm. So then the baby chicks are born, the mommy goes out to find a caterpillar to regurgitate into the bird. Lovely. Can't find them. They're no longer there. Gotta start eating butterflies. That delicate balance of life is thrown off in many ways, and this is just one of them. Yikes. So examples like this highlight, you know, just how those little things, just the tiny fluctuation in temperature can throw off the whole balance of this ecosystem. Like, we tend to focus on the wildfires Mm -hmm. or the big stories, but it's just little shit like this that can cause serious problems to the ecosystems all over the planet. Yeah. Want another uh, fun animal attack story? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to like this one. (laughs) Arkansas hunter killed by deer. That is surprising. Yeah, good one. (laughs) I knew you'd like this one. I saved it for you. Thank you. An Arkansas hunter who thought he had fatally shot a deer was killed when the very much alive animal turned the tables and gored him in a sudden attack. I mean, good for you. (laughs) Thomas Alexander, 66, an experienced hunter, shot the deer on Tuesday during the state's muzzleloader season. Uh, That sounds pleasant. Yeah. Alexander was sitting in an elevated deer stand, which is like essentially this like seat that they attach to a tree high up. So you like climb up into it, sit in the seat and wait for a deer to walk by and then shoot it from above. Mm -hmm. Fair. Fair. And he went to go check on his kill. Uh, The wounded deer got up and gored him, causing several puncture wounds. And then the animal ran off. You never hear about deers killing people. That's like deer one, (laughs) humans one billion (laughs) They said they did have one earlier deer attack in southern Arkansas in 2016, but that hunter survived. Interesting. Yeah. 
Give me the tough one. All right. It's not even that bad. This is, well, I guess not bad as far as death goes. Okay. Uh, but Google made the news this past couple of weeks. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, they were uh, made the news because they had made some generous contributions to climate change deniers. Did they really? Yeah. Google. So among the hundreds of groups the company has listed on its website as beneficiaries of its political giving are more than a dozen organizations that have campaigned against climate legislation questioned the need for action, or actively sought to roll back Obama-era environmental protections. The list includes the Competitive Enterprise Institute, a conservative policy group that was instrumental in convincing the Trump administration to abandon the Paris Agreement. Google is also listed as a sponsor for an upcoming annual meeting of the State Policy Network, an umbrella organization that supports conservative groups, including the Heartland Institute, a radical anti-science group that has chided the teenage activist Greta Thunberg for climate delusion hysterics. (laughs) SBM members recently created a Climate Pledge website that falsely states, quote, our natural environment is getting better, and, quote, there is no climate crisis. So this is the group that Google is sponsoring. But Google can Google uh, (laughs) science, right? It can see that. But Google has come out and defended its contributions and said that its collaboration with these organizations does does not mean that we endorse these organizations' entire agenda. They donate to such groups to influence conservative lawmakers and, most importantly, to help finance the deregulatory agenda that they want. So they're saying we're giving them money so that we can turn them into good liberals? Is no, they're, they're saying they're, they're giving them money because they want to get rid of other regulations, not the environmental regulations. Uh, sure. Like worker safety and pay laws. and you know, Those the regular are the ones we really don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, God. Bill McKimmon, who's the founder of 350.org, mm-hmm. uh, he has been on the front line of the climate crisis for many decades, said that Google and other companies were engaged in, quote, functional greenwashing, given the contradiction of their public pronouncements and private donations. He said that Google and other technology companies had also not used their own lobbyists to advocate for change on climate. Quote, sometimes I'll talk to the companies and they'll be going on and on about their renewable server farm or natural gas delivery. And I say, thank you. But what we really need is for you to use your lobbying shop in Washington put serious muscle behind it and they never do mckibben said quote they want some tax breaks and or some regulation switch and they never devote the slightest muscle behind the most important issue of our time or any time all right good story or a funny story at least i don't know if it's good but it's a funny story i'll take it there was a uh so every year in australia they run like the world's largest solar powered car race where they like race across the australian desert okay the lead car in that race dramatically fell out of the race after it burst into flames. <laughs> Too hot? <laughs> Too much solar. The Nuna X car of a Dutch, of, from the Dutch team catched, caught fire 250 kilometers before the finish of the 3,000-kilometer Darwin to Adelaide race. Uh, the driver got out of the car and was unhurt. But yeah, the car apparently spontaneously combusted. Is that what happened? I think so. I think it just got too hot and just oh. caught fire. Yikes. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was funny. That's pretty good. No, not really Thank climate change related. We'll end on that and one. And I'm sorry. Yeah. For Except news. for we also still have to talk about the fires that happened this weekend, I guess. Yes. So California is on fire like it is every year. Mm-hmm. And this weekend, super high winds all across the Crazy state. Crazy wind. Uh, caused a second round of massive blackouts and evacuations. Well, the latest numbers I saw today were something like 2 million people had power outages and 200,000 were forced to evacuate. Basically, like all of Sonoma County was yeah. under evacuation orders and the entire city of Healdsburg and a bunch of towns had to evacuate. Um, there was one story I was reading about people who had to evacuate to an evacuation center and then that evacuation center had to evacuate. Oh, God. Because they had to move a second time because the fires were just moving. And then this weekend, yesterday in particular, super high winds, like uh, hurricane force winds in some places, were just whipping these fires across the dry land. Blowing and them. Blowing them across freeways. They were jumping rivers and normal barriers that would kind of prevent a fire from continuing. Mm-hmm. And of course, starting more and more fires as power lines were knocked out and fires were catching all over the place. LeBron James had to evacuate. Oh, man. He, did he have his own firefighters like Kim Kardashian? I don't know. There was a story. I didn't get a chance to read it about the private firefighters that I'm sure are just getting more employed. But Should be illegal. He did end up evacuating. Um, but yeah, fires all over the place in Southern California and Northern California. There was fires on both sides of the freeway in Vallejo. So there's a bridge on the 80 freeway that runs through Vallejo. Mm-hmm. And there were fires on both sides. And what's crazy about that is there are oil refineries right, right there. Right there, yeah. And so like the chance of a crazy terrible incident 
so high. They ended up having to shut the freeway down. Luckily, they got those fires controlled to the point where the freeway was able to reopen, didn't blow up an oil refinery. But uh, <laughs> it was a lot it. closer than you think. Yeah. And like what was crazy about looking at the images of that fire in particular was that that's that's a that's a major town like that's mm-hmm. a city like i often think that you know our place you know oh we're in sacramento it's you know a major city the wildfires aren't going to come here but man if vallejo can catch fire <laughs> i don't know yeah so, really uh yeah it, it was uh pretty eye-opening for me but i mean it was, yeah another big fire season and again even more blackouts and evacuations than the last time pg e had to cut off power to everybody yeah most people have had power restored but there are still hundreds of thousands without power yeah Yeah, it's it's crazy um and not really an end in sight because there's no real rain on the horizon and it's going to keep being windy up through the middle of this week and should be terrible yeah it should continue to be terrible great that's the news corinne (laughs) great (laughs) fun times you know i i I know you appreciate it (laughs) do i but this week we do have a fire related prep to talk about well we should. So even though wildfires are what we're talking about in the news, you're still more likely to die in just a regular old house fire, Corinne. Okay. Did you know that every year over 3,000 Americans die and over 13,000 Americans are injured in home fires? I didn't think about it. That's a lot. Yeah. That's thousands of people. Uh, direct property loss due to home fires are estimated to be over $7.3 billion annually. And while there may be little we can do to stop these forest fires, almost all home fires can be prevented. Only you can prevent your household fires. Exactly right. (laughs) Smokey was wrong. (laughs) To protect yourself and your family, it is essential that you understand the elementary characteristics of the fire, and then how that relates to your home, and then how to prepare for it. So we're going to go over how to get your home ready for a fire, so that you don't actually catch your home on fire first, and then what happens when you do inevitably catch your home on fire. (laughs) I'm going to work on not leaving my candles on while I leave the room. That's one of them. You're jumping (laughs) ahead, Corinne. Sorry. All right. Okay. First, we're going to talk about the characteristics of a home fire, Corinne. Okay. According to FEMA, the most common cause of home fires is cooking, which makes sense because you've got an open flame of some kind in Mm -hmm. your house. Makes sense. That's most likely going to cause the fire, right? About 50% of all home fires. Heating sources such as furnaces and water heaters cause about 10%. Carelessness is third on the list, and that's a nice way of saying, like, people falling asleep while smoking cigarettes. <laughs> uh, but probably also includes that idiot that uh, burns his house down every Thanksgiving trying to, oh, you know, deep, deep fry. fry a turkey. Listen, it's not the best way to do a turkey. <laughs> so quick, though. Derek, you've been talking about it for years. I'm going to do it. Uh, so human idiocy just barely beats out electrical malfunctions. Both of them average about 7% of our home fires. And the two surprises for me were that, like, actual open flames, meaning your fireplace or your candles, Corinne, mm-hmm. only cause about 4.3%. Oh, I'm good. I'm going to yeah. keep burning those. And that's only 0.1% more than arson. Okay, so I'm doing fine. I'm not <laughs> probably going to be good. But still, 4.2% of home fires are arson. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, I thought it would be way... I thought arson was a crime that was much lower. I'm, I'm a surprised and a little bit glad that arson's, you know, still going strong. <laughs> Really? Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's a classic crime. I like it. No, I don't like Really? That. No. Wasn't there just a story about some guy who was setting fires all over the place? No, like, I'm talking about, like, trying to, not just, like, some fire starter. I don't You're know. talking about trying to get money, insurance money? Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. screw the insurance company. Got it. Fair exactly. enough. Yeah, you got me. So, obviously, uh, with cooking being the number one cause of fires, the most common place for fires to start is in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But after that, the bedroom is number two. So... Makes sense. That's where your candles come in, Corinne. Well, my bedroom is my living room is my... <laughs> it's your kitchen. <laughs> Basically. All right. So, some misconception about fire. First, you should know that fire moves incredibly fast. Yes. It's very quick. In less than 30 seconds, a minor flame can get totally out of control and become a major fire. It takes less than five minutes for an entire house to be filled with thick black smoke or to be completely engulfed in flames. Uh, in fact... Our reliance on synthetic materials mean that fire moves much quicker today than it used to. Mm -hmm. So in the past, like when they first started studying fire in like the 1970s and stuff, it would take like 17 minutes for a house to fully engulf. Now it takes like five. So yeah, much quicker. Most fires happen at night is the other thing. So most Mm -hmm. fires uh, happen while people are sleeping. If you are woken up by a fire, 
you do not have time to waste collecting things and you know trying to get your pictures what would you or grab if your house is on fire that old thing exactly you don't really have time to do that you just have to think about escaping the fire as quick as possible uh fire spreads very fast like we said and that smoke is incredibly dangerous which we'll get to in a little bit here you barely have enough time to escape if a fire wakes you up and in fact if the fire wakes you up you're lucky because that smoke is toxic this is yet another reason why you really want to have your go bag ready to go and your your bug out bag and be someplace you can grab from your bed so that you can just like wake up, grab it and get the heck out of the house. But also if you can't grab a go bag, just go. Just go. And much better to be alive with nothing than dead with a bag. Yes. So anyways, also hardly, you know, no time to go find everyone else in the house either. So you've got to spread the word. We talk about fire drills and stuff later, but if there's thick black smoke, you're going to be confused. You're not going to be able to get into your house. There may be a fire between you and everyone else. So yeah. you've just got to save yourself if you wake up to a this fire. This is really stressing me out. All right, please continue. All right. So next thing we need to know about fire. Heat from a fire is far more dangerous than the actual flames. Really? Yeah. Room temperatures can rise to over 100 degrees at floor level and over 600 degrees at eye level. Whoa. That superheated air, if inhaled, can scorch your lungs and kill you by itself. Oh, my God. In fact, the heat can melt your clothes and your skin. Contrary to popular belief, asphyxiation is the leading cause of death by fire, not burns by about a three to one ratio. I thought it was like inhaling smoke. Yeah, well, asphyxiation comes with that as well. So you inhale that superheated air and the smoke. We'll get to the toxic smoke next. But yeah, the heat can kill you by itself. You don't actually have to be covered in flames. Just the house will be so hot. So smoke is the next one. Fire isn't really bright. It's pitch black. Uh, Fire starts out really bright, but quickly produces a thick black smoke that makes it complete darkness in a house with smoke. So a house filled with that smoke, it's impossible to see. You really can't see what's going on. And that smoke is full of toxic materials and is toxic to breathe. Fire consumes oxygen and replaces it with toxic gases and smoke that kills. Inhaling small amounts of these gases can leave you disoriented, short of breath, and drowsy. The colorless fumes can put you to a deep sleep even before the flames reach you. So again, they knock you out and then you die because you were asleep when the fire came over you. So that's why they teach you to crawl on the ground and we'll get into what to do in the fire. But those are the things, so like the flames itself are not as dangerous as many of these other things about fire. Knowing that every second counts, we know that we need to be prepared to act quickly in the event of a fire. And that means having a fire escape plan and making sure each member of your family knows it well, right? So first thing you should do is figure out how to get out of your house, particularly how to get out of every room in the house, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have fire drills at school when we were kids. We have fire drills at work because this is important. But most people neglect that all-important home fire drill. Do a fire drill. Literally figure out how to get out of the house and help people out through the emergency exits of your home, which is oftentimes a window. Windows. Everyone should know two ways to get out of their bedroom and where to meet when you are separated as well. So what often happens is you come out your back window, you're in your backyard, you eventually get over through the neighbor's fence and where's everybody else from your house? Where do you meet? Right. You know, even if it's just at a tree down the block or at somebody else, you know, a neighbor's house or something, you know, have a place to meet with your family so you can reconnect. Yeah. Making sure you can get out of your bedroom in two different ways is really important. Nine times out of 10, most bedrooms have like a door and right. a window. So those are options A and B, right? Uh, with the windows, if you're on a second floor, that means you have to have one of those emergency escape ladders and it has to be ready to go. Like, I've seen a lot of people like, yeah, we've got a ladder. It's in the cupboard in the hallway. Not helpful. Not helpful at the window because who knows if the fire is between you and that thing. You have to have the ladder there so and, and ready to go, not like wrapped up in the plastic wrapping because that yes. is not the time to unbox the no. the ladder. You have to be ready to go. Um, for first floor windows, a big problem uh, in some places, especially in like the neighborhood where I live, is people have those uh, security bars mm-hmm. on their windows. And so if you have those, if you get the security windows installed, make sure you have the quick release installed. It's a small device, doesn't cost much, fairly easy to install, but it's a way to quickly pop those security windows out from the inside. So you can only release the latch indoors, but once you do, and it's normally like this bright orange or yellow latch, you just kind of pull on it or kick it down. I didn't realize they made those. Yeah, it pops two of the, or one side of the bars on a hinge, so it like opens up like a door. Hmm. 
So yeah, those are really important to have. So if you have bars on your windows, make sure you have security or a quick release so that you can get out of that window. Otherwise... Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You go get to the window, you open the window and you're like, oh, that's right. Yeah. You can't get out. That'd be terrifying. <sighs> this is um, giving me a lot of anxiety. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, go ahead and make sure you get those uh, bars cause, or the quick release because they'll save your damn life. Next up, smoke alarms. This yep. is obvious. Uh Install fire alarms basically everywhere. They're cheap. Uh, every bedroom should have an alarm, both inside and outside of the bedroom. Mm. So uh, making sure there's one in the hallway right in front of the door, making sure there's one in your bedroom, make sure there's one in the kitchen because that's where 50% of the fires start, right? Mm -hmm. um, make sure they're basically all over the place. Make sure if you have a basement that you have a fire alarm in the basement because you, a lot of times fires start with furnaces or water heaters and stuff that are down there. Right. A properly installed smoke alarm is the only thing in your house that can alert you and your family 24-7, right? Uh, a functioning smoke alarm enhances your chances of surviving a lethal house fire considerably. 65% of home fire deaths occur in homes with no working smoke alarms. Okay. So, install smoke alarms that contain both photoelectric and ionization smoke sensors. And you can find that on the packaging hmm. when you buy it, it should say. Uh, test their batteries monthly to ensure they are in working condition and see that you have a smoke alarm installed in every level of your home. Uh, it's also recommended that you replace the alarms themselves every eight years. Uh, so this is when I realized, because, hmm. yeah, our, we've had this house for about eight years, and I'm like, these are all still the same alarms. So, and I'm sure uh, they weren't brand new when you got it. Well, I'm, they probably were, actually. Maybe. But uh, they'd done a lot of refurbishing. But either way, I was like, oh, it's on my list now. So I wrote that top of the list, replace the smoke alarms. Um, there's also technology is, you know, a thing now. They've got, like, connected smoke alarms. So they have uh, fire alarms in your house that will automatically call 911 for you mm -hmm. and do other things. Um, or that they're connected to one another. So There's no fire in one room. No, I've got a tiny-ass house, so I'm going to hear a smoke alarm go off pretty much anywhere <laughs> in the house. But, you know, for those of you that are listening that live in mansions, you know, <laughs> you might want to think about these connected smoke alarms. So that if an alarm is going off downstairs in the West Wing, you can hear it <laughs> in your bedroom. <laughs> that my first thought is of like beauty and the beast yeah. <laughs> of course it would have been better if they had a smoke alarm i know how that one turned out <laughs> old place burned down did it i think so i don't think so when the villagers marched in they didn't they light everything on fire oh yeah i'm pretty sure there was a big fire yeah yeah you're right yeah yeah needed some smoke alarms uh if you're richie rich also you can get a home uh like a water uh sprinkler system right uh, most uh, work and, you know, commercial buildings have them. They are pretty cost prohibitive for a home, but they also work really, really well at stopping a fire. Uh, so that might be, you know, the rich people's upgrade. <laughs> for the rest of us, smoke alarms, definitely a needed thing. The other thing about alarms we should talk about is do not disassemble an alarm. Don't take the battery out of your alarm. Well, when it's going off at midnight. And you got no batteries. See, this is, yeah, <laughs> see there's that, but then nobody puts it back. Uh, or what happens is there's the one in the kitchen that goes off every time you're crisping up some taquitos. And so <laughs> you're like... This you, is not a specific example. <laughs> just randomly. You know, so, someone might. Yeah, someone might have taken the battery out of the alarm because they caught their taquitos on fire or their Pop-Tart, you know, or whatever. whatever. And then you never replace it. And then you don't actually have a working alarm in your kitchen where the fire is going to start. So... Make sure not to do that. Like, open a window, blow a fan on it, like, deal with it for five minutes till it stops beeping at you. Uh, don't take the batteries out I'm of the I'm not going to lie. When the alarm goes off at midnight and it's literally just the dying battery and I have none, I just unplug that. Sure. We've all, we're all that and person. What am I going to do at midnight? All right. Well, hopefully I make it through tonight. Okay. Because. That's why you should be checking your batteries monthly. Monthly then. seems like a lot. That's, that's the ideal. That's what FEMA recommends. I have. It gets checked once a year in my apartment complex when they do the inspection, <laughs> which is today. Well, I mean, if that's something that you're willing to live with. <laughs> or, or die or, with. Or die with. Yeah, go for it, friend. <laughs> All right, next up, smoke alarms. Done. Done. The next bit of uh, precautionary equipment you can have in your home is an actual extinguisher. Uh, I bought a new one just the other day. Did I you? was at Walmart and they were on sale. Got one for <laughs> 10 bucks. But uh, that is not a plug. I just, I don't even know the brand of it, but I saw it on sale as <laughs> yeah. I was wandering through Walmart and it's like, boom, got it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, home fire extinguishers are a great thing to have. And then keep one on every level of your home. So I would probably keep one, if you only have one level of your home, keep it in the kitchen. Again, because that's where the vast majority of fires start. Mm -hmm. 
something that they'd mentioned in the article or one couple of the articles I was reading says that you don't necessarily want to keep it right next to the stove because you might well because it's flammable but because you might get cut off from it so if Mm. the stove is what catches fire and it's on the left side of the stove and you're on the right side of the stove your sink yeah so put it you know on the other side of the kitchen somewhere you can grab it quickly but not someplace that might get cut off if the stove catches fire yeah so anyways just an idea also make sure that you get a fire extinguisher that is multi-class this isn't really a problem any much more i'd say like 90 percent of fire extinguishers are multi-class but it'll say right on the packaging type a b and c or just a and b but you definitely want to make sure that it's a type a and b at the least or a b and c those are the different types of fires and type b is the fires that are caused by oil which mm. are sometimes not covered by other ones um so like an oil-based fire are the type of fires where if you throw water on it, it just spreads everywhere. So you don't want or one of those. So make sure the fire extinguisher is multiple type. Yeah. Uh, also remember to keep flammable items away from the stove and double check at night that the stovetop is turned off. So if you used the stove that day, Corinne, if you were making yourself a quesadilla. I'm not often using that stove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make sure that you've got the, uh, the burners turned off. Uh, fireplaces and such. Obviously, keep matches and fire starters out of the reach of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about fire just fascinates kids. Like, if I you have it. kids, they will find your matches and they will light them. So, keep them... Shout uh, out to our family friend, Danny Cress, who taught me that you could, and I do not recommend this, make a blowtorch out of hairspray and a match. <laughs> and a lighter, better, I should say. It is amazing, but don't do it. Yeah. Uh, every kid will find matches if they are not locked up. That is just what they're going to do. I uh, never messed with them because I was so afraid of them. And Danny did, doing the blowtorch really freaked me out. You had friends who messed with them. Danny messed with it right in front of me just to scare me, I think. Uh, sure. So make sure that the any fire starting materials are safe from children, especially young children who can't you know, panic and, light it or, and drop it in the sink or toilet or whatever they're doing. Um, if you use things like space heaters, make sure that you're extra careful not to put anything flammable on them or nearby. Uh, barbecue grills and fire pits should be at least 10 feet away from awnings they also say keep them off of wooden decks Hmm. um oftentimes you see even in the like home depot video people grilling on their wood deck that they just built with their you know home depot credit card and like that may seem great but that deck is flammable and you've got an open flame right on top of it so you're just waiting until you drop that deep fried turkey right on (laughs) on top of your deck that's the dream right yeah so, anyways, uh, use fireplace guards to prevent sparks from landing on your dog beds or whatever you've got next to the... Carpet. Yeah, carpet. Um, don't leave candles unattended, Corinne. I know how you like to light your uh, Christmas smelling candles and yeah. then just... my house already smells like... Yeah, drink uh... yourself into a stupor. So. <laughs> I don't drink, but... <laughs> uh, Christmas trees are obviously a big uh, fire hazard. Uh, th- we've all seen the uh, instructional videos on how to not light your Christmas tree on fire. Um, watch some of them just google christmas tree fires like i think that's one of these things like fire departments love the holidays because they can remind you because they can remind you not to deep fry turkey and not to light your christmas tree on fire and they remind you by doing so <laughs> <laughs> like just, uh, just i'm an expert so watch me light this tree yeah. on fire and how quick it lights up it is terrifying how quick a christmas tree turns from like this beautiful looking thing <laughs> into a flaming inferno but also like uh isn't it the fake trees that are more flammable than a real tree? I don't know. I honestly don't know enough to mm. say. Just be careful with your Christmas trees. Don't put a Christmas tree in your house. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on. I am one of those Christmas people. <laughs> like, you know those horrible people you You have hate? not had a Christmas tree in no, your... No, but if I ever had a home that could support <laughs> one, Derek, I would have multiple Christmas trees. I literally bought out this Dimple Records was going out of business every Christmas yeah, we went CD over they your, had. Christmas CD Christmas, is not nearly as flammable as Christmas trees. Listen, I don't believe in God, but Christmas... I also am a proponent of moving Christmas to January so that people will stop complaining about the Christmas creep and we can have Christmas all of December and January and we'll leave Thanksgiving and Halloween alone. Anyway, Christmas is great. Don't get rid of your trees. Just don't be stupid. All right. Some of these other ones seem obvious, but with electrical things, don't run wires under rugs and carpets. Uh, Seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Obviously, portable generators should never be used indoors. So especially this is important during like power outages. 
A lot of people bought generators to run power for their home. Those things say all over them, do not put indoors. They release toxic gases and they can start a fire. Uh, So keep them outdoors where they belong. Uh, Turn off heaters when you go to bed. Keep regular maintenance on your furnace and stove. Don't use frayed or exposed electrical cords, things like that. Don't overload outlets. I mean, a lot of these seem pretty obvious. Yeah. But, you know, we all kind of slip into bad habits. Yeah. Don't overload the outlets. We've all seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Sure. If you believe you have an electrical issue with your home, here's the other one. Get a certified electrician. Like so many people light their homes on fire accidentally trying to do it yourself with the, uh, you know, changing their outlets or whatever. Some of that's easy enough to do, but if it's beyond your capacity, err on the side of caution. What was the Jim Carrey fire marshal character? Fire marshal Bill. Bill. Uh, other tips if you have a chimney get it cleaned regularly get those chimney sweeps out there uh the buildup on the inside of a chimney is a big cause of home fires don't have a chimney make sure your laundry vent and other vents are cleaned Mm -hmm. uh the lint in your dryer will cause plenty of fires in homes so clean it out it says after every use and then use that as a fire starter in your go bag that's true it is actually recommended as a good way to start fires discussed at the go bag uh get together yeah uh, a word about smoking. If you are a smoker, uh, don't fall asleep while smoking. <laughs> Basically, the advice is don't smoke in your home because the chances of you accidentally like ashing on some furniture and catching it on fire or falling asleep with a cigarette in your mouth. So many people die because they light themselves on fire falling asleep smoking a cigarette. Well, Reddit, just quit smoking. You just know? quit smoking. Just it's probably good. That. Quit vaping too. Ugh. Don't even get me started. Actually, I hate them both equally. I, don't I hate vapors much more. I do hate the aspect of it that it's like fruit flavored. And like, didn't we make all of these laws about cigarettes not appealing to children for a reason? And now they're just like making them like candy. I could care less about the candy flavors. What I care about is the fact that smokers are ashamed of their habit. Yeah, that's like, true. Vapors smoke, are proud. You're right. A, a smoker will go find the corner where they're allowed to smoke and like hide their smoke and like <laughs> their shame and they'll always that's why you like i've it. never seen a smoker nowadays who like doesn't ask you if they can light up if they don't know that you're a smoker or like does never i've never had a smoker like just blow smoke in my face like an asshole vapors are such asses they're also they, young they're also young they think and i when the vaping first oh, we're gonna go on a tangent yes we are it's fine <laughs> when go vaping first started you could tell this is just smoke and yeah. they're like, it's just water vapor, vapor, dude. It's just water vapor. And I was just like, there's no way that's just water vapor. You know what's water vapor? I boil water every goddamn day of my life. This is not water vapor. And I want to be like, listen, are you supposed to be breathing in water? No. And then, sure enough, the stuff causes cancer, just like everything else. And, you know, not shocking to anyone with half a brain, but anyone vaping doesn't have half a brain. <laughs> and so half of these people were just like, what? I've been tricked. <laughs> like, no, you haven't. You haven't. I was... I, I was at the time a server and uh, someone started vaping at the table. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. There's no smoking in the restaurant. I've, I mean, I was shocked to have to tell someone. And like, it's not smoke. It's a vape. And I, was, I just looked at him like, you really going to play? Because like, there was no laws about it yet. That's my point. There was no laws about yeah. it. And I was like, I guess I, there's no law, but the common decency, you know, like, come on, dude. They have no decency. That's why no- I hate vapors worse than smokers. Uh, well now we just lost another group yeah we are great at just pissing off everyone (laughs) well we got maybe a middle in with the cigarette smokers because we prefer (laughs) them well yeah they should stop anyways but uh also never smoke near anyone who is using an oxygen tank this seems like oh my god and don't smoke (laughs) this is a bit of advice i got off their website so apparently it's needed needed to be said i know it's needed i know uh, here's a big tip that I like that backs up my own personal kind of uh, eccentricities. <laughs> okay. But uh, sleeping with your door closed can save your life, Corinne. Are there monsters who leave their door open? I don't know. There must be. There must be. But, Come on uh, in. The number one thing you can do to increase fire safety in your home is to sleep with your uh, the doors to your bedroom closed. Uh, so, like, after years of doing research on this stuff, Underwriter Laboratories Firefighter Safety Research Institute... Uh, found that a closed door will keep a room under 100 degrees while the fire spreads on the other side, while an open door it could heat up to over 1,000 degrees. So closing the door also reduces the toxic smoke levels and increases the oxygen levels in the room. So having your doors closed and like hearing the alarm on the other side of the door is a big deal. So it can give you that little extra time to 
get prepared and get out. Did you guys keep your door shut to your room? Oh, of course. Okay. What kind? Of, what do you think we are? Some I'm kind of monster? I'm just making sure you weren't a monster. I don't know. No. In fact, if you have to leave your home due to a fire, so like if your kitchen catches fire and you're not going to be able to put it out, one of the things they say is if you have a moment, close the doors to slow the spread. Yikes. So like, yeah, I guess it's a big deal. Other preventative stuff you can do or stuff you can do in the case a fire actually happens in your home is keep the flashlight handy by your bed. Mm-hmm. Like we said before, normally the fires happen at night. And that the thick black smoke is really hard to see through. So having that flashlight or that headlamp. Uh, so <laughs> Never a headlamp. You're going to be crawling Throw around. Throw it in the fire. You're going to be crawling around on the ground. No, a headlamp put it in your mouth. So tactical. So useful, Corinne. No. You're going to you know sleep with your headlamp. Right? Do not give me one for Christmas. You're <laughs> supposed to give a gift that someone wants. You're going to want it. I'm not, I don't. All right. Uh, let's see here. During a fire. Uh, while making your way toward an exit, crawl low under the smoke. Poisonous gases and smoke collect toward the ceiling, so crawling towards the exit may allow you extra time to escape. Mm-hmm. As soon as the smoke alarm sounds, think only of escaping. Do not gather belongings, and once you are outside, don't go back in. What if your kid's in there? I mean... <laughs> You're going to break that rule. Sure. But, you know, you live alone. Right. Don't go I'll, back I'm in for your houseplant. <laughs> Don't I mean, worry. I'm not going to tell I've a mother no or somebody not to go back in for their crying child or whatever. But statistically, if you go back in that house, you're not coming back out. Well, uh, it's either you and your kid. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm not saying don't go out save your child. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the advice from FEMA is okay. once you're out of a fire, don't go back in that fire. Right. Uh, if you see smoke blocking your exit, look for another way out. This is obviously makes mm-hmm. some sense. Mm-hmm. Um before opening any doors, feel the doorknob. Feel the door and the doorknob. If they are hot, do not bother opening the door. Don't be like, well, maybe I could. Uh, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Look for another route out. Also, I suggest watching the episode of The Office where Dwight makes a fake <laughs> fire. There's a lot of great useful tips in there. Also hilarious. Yeah, that's probably one of the best cold opens ever really in Really good cold open. Uh, while opening the door, open it slowly to see if there is heavy smoke. So even if a door doesn't feel hot, you can open it up and be like, oh, this is the wrong way. Yeah. So uh, stop, drop, and roll if your clothes catch fire, which is a thing that can happen quite a bit when you're in a house that's on fire. Uh, make sure to cover your face with your hands and roll on your back again and again until the fire is out. Oh, one last thing you can do, make sure your house has numbers that are readable from the street uh, and that they're easily readable at night. So a lot of people put like reflective paint on it. Mm-hmm. That'll just help firefighters find your house a little better yeah. in the dead of night when you've got a fire. Normally you could just tell them it's the house that's on fire. but <laughs> They might be able to spot it. Should be, should be able to spot it. Um, yeah, go over your plan with your family. Make sure that it gets updated. Uh, make sure that kids know what to do in a fire. So according to FEMA, children set 35,000 fires annually. It's still less than adults. Yeah, but still, it's a lot of fires. <laughs> yes. Uh, there are several reasons why children will experiment with fire. Like we said, pretty much every child's going to find some matches fire and light it. Fire is cool. We're going to give it to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, generally, it's not with a willful intent to cause destruction, but sometimes it is. Right. Um, we all know there's some monsters. Either way, you should talk to kids about fire. I, again, knowing is half the battle is the old G.I. Joe thing, but I think especially with kids... Knowledge helps, like, demystify something Mm -hmm. and giving them just that little bit of knowledge about fire. So even if it means lighting a fire with the kids, being like, hey, here's how a match works. Mm -hmm. And and demystifying the, taking out the, like, secret of it. Yeah. Like the, ooh, I've got this thing I'm not supposed to have sort of deal. Yeah. um, Should be helpful. Older kids tend to experiment with fire outdoors. Younger kids tend to experiment with fire, like, in the bathroom or in their bedroom. Like, they'll close the door and, like, light a match because they think you can't see it or smell it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So lighters are a significant source of fire for kids because they can easily, like, click it. So make right. sure you have the child-proof lighters. Um, 83% yeah, eighty-three of home fires and 93% of outside fires are f- started by males, Corinne. Wow. Shocking, right? Very surprised. Yeah. The other thing you can do is teach your kids not to hide during a fire. From the fire. Yeah, uh, so they'll often hide from firemen in, during, or firefighters during a fire. They'll go like to the closet and they'll like, or get under the bed, and that's just mm-hmm. going to make it even harder because, like I said, there's that smoke and the fire itself and all these other things. So make sure they know to make themselves visible and known. Um, do home fire drills with your kids. Make sure to show them how to exit the house in two different ways. Make sure to show them how to get out of their window, demystify it, go through it with them. 
and do them in a way that's not going to panic them, but give them fire safety facts, like give them the information and the knowledge. You'd be surprised how kind of mature kids can be when you, you know, allow them to be. Yeah. Be like, you know, and having something to do, teach them how to stop, drop, and roll, or quiz them about fire safety. And then, again, with kids, you kind of have to go back over it. So, right. you, you know, you can't just do it once and be like, yeah, he got that. We did it when he was Repeat four. it. Make it a song. Do it a yearly thing or a monthly I wonder monthly if thing having or... stools nearby, because there's a lot of things that are, you know, adult height. So, there's a lot of windows here. I'm trying to imagine, what if Marilyn had to get through, you know, a tall window? It might be difficult for her. Sure. So, if you have having the stool nearby or something. Something they can climb onto or something, yeah. yeah. Um, pets and fire safety. Obviously, never leave open flames unattended. Corinne, you're not quite yet a cat lady, but I feel like that's coming. The joke at work is that I am, but I don't own any cats. Yeah. I don't know how to get rid of that. No, you're basically a cat lady without the cats. Right. Yeah. But if you do own cats and stuff, make sure never to leave uh, unattended flames. Cats are well known for knocking Monsters. over candles. Uh, they are arsons, arsonists. <laughs> Uh, remove uh, stove knobs and cover them well when you leave the house and don't leave food unattended for the on the stovetop. So, like, cats will jump up onto the stove or dogs even to get the food. Right. And then they'll accidentally knock the or turn the stove on and then that'll cause a fire. Hmm. Secure loose wires. Pets can sometimes chew on wires um, and that can cause a fire or just, like, leave it exposed so that it'll cause a fire later. Invest in a pet safety decal alert that you can place in one of your front windows so firefighters can see how many pets and what kind of pets you have. Maybe a human one. Yeah, and a human one too. <laughs> yeah, make sure their callers have updated contact information. Oftentimes they can get out and you know, get loose during a fire because firefighters mm-hmm. don't care about closing your back gate. Right. Um, Lots of animals, especially buying from the SPCA, already microchipped though. If you can't stay in your home and you're forced to evacuate during a fire, make sure you know a hotel or someplace you can stay that keeps dogs and cats mm. oftentimes uh, even this is true for like the firefight or the wildfires right. many shelters and stuff just can't take pets yeah like it's a safety hazard and a health hazard and they just can't Don't do it the room. it's not they're that they, it's not that they hate pets it's that there are reasons why they can't have pets so if you are going to evacuate with your pets make sure you have a plan for where to go and how to keep them yeah. or where to send them so oftentimes it's a good idea to board your pets if you have to evacuate but know where you're going to do that or how that's going to work out. Like, have that all planned out ahead of time. You don't want to be calling somebody on the road. Uh, House fires. I'm very stressed out. How about you? That's not the goal. The goal is to make you less stressed stressed out. out. No, I'm stressed out. i got to buy a fire extinguisher. Uh, I've got to... They're like 15 bucks at Walmart. i got to go to Walmart. (laughs) I mean, you can get one from Amazon, I'm sure. That's the only way I could do it. Or Target. Or I'm sure somewhere else. I'm sure, like, Home Depot has it. The fear of fire is there. Very strong with me very afraid of fire. Anyways, so hopefully that's given you guys some tips for how to deal with fires um, and how to prepare for a fire in the home. Yeah. So, yeah, be safe out there, guys. Be safe. That's our episode for this week. Thank you once again for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.